Presents Seat of the All Father. Written by J. Isaac. This is Episode 7 New Growth. Max awoke with a throbbing headache. Most of the evening before was a sweet, sticky blur in his memory, but he did recall one thing. That was the most fun he thought he had had in a long time. After the passion of the evening had reached a chaotic climax, things tapered off quickly. Children began to fall asleep here and there around the fire before Silly finally roused them. As Max sat on the bed, holding his pounding head, fragments of the evening began to come back to him. A vision of Georgia carrying back the two youngest children, one in each arm, the oldest boy carrying Esther. Max thought he could remember hearing her whisper something to the older boy in a sleepy voice. So much fun. I wish it could always be like that. When Max finally made it down from his bedroom, the kitchen was empty. He saw through the window that some of the children were working outside in the yard. He grabbed his coat, pulled on his shoes, and went out to join them. Several of the children were raking leaves off of the grass. The oldest boy pushed a hand mower. Max saw that Georgia was in one of the flower beds near the house, weeding on her hands and knees. She looked up as Max walked out of the back door smiled, and waved him over. Help me out, buddy. The weeds don't seem to know that summer is over. Max knelt down beside her, watching her at first for guidance. Presently, Georgia spoke again. Max, do you have any questions about last night? Did you have fun? Max nodded. It was interesting... He paused to pull a particularly stubborn root, and then continued. It was like a big party. Do you understand what we were doing? George's eyes narrowed slightly. She seemed to be fishing for a particular response. Max swallowed and shot a quick glance around the yard. Everyone was watching the two of them. Was it like a church meeting or something? I really don't know very much about that sort of thing. Georgia gave a short laugh. Nor should you. I'll tell you what we were doing last night, and I'll try to make it simple. 
We have a friend who showed us something amazing. He opened our eyes to a truth about ourselves, that all of us here can be special. We can be stronger than normal people and happier too. She paused and looked deep into Max's eyes. Her gaze was intoxicating. This friend of ours, he is like a father. He has shown us a way to change and to become something more. Through this change, we become part of an organism. It is an organism growing in our father's image and for his benefit. There's too much to tell you now, so I'll leave you with this. Every time we have a meeting, you will learn more and become more. Be receptive to the process. Max didn't know what to say. It all sounded very strange. But then again, some of the preachers he had heard sounded strange too. Ultimately, nothing changed the fact that he needed to leave. He needed to go home. James burst through the stair door like a wild animal. It had taken him several attempts, and unfortunately, too much time. Father was already gone. He rushed to retrieve the vehicle he had concealed in the outbuilding. Deep down, he knew he had blown his opportunity. The old man was gone for good. James still hunted the streets for hours afterwards, before giving up. The planner James found in the basement turned out to be blank. He figured the old man's tip about upstate New York was bullshit too, but he had nothing else to go on. He figured he should grab a few things before making the drive. It was almost 12 hours to Cooperstown. Not the kind of trip one typically makes without preparation. James headed back to his home, planning to grab an overnight bag and update Grace on the situation. As he approached the house, he knew something was very wrong. Three police vehicles were parked out in front, one with its lights still on. He felt a surge of terror, fearing the worst for Grace. Almost simultaneously, he remembered the scene he had left at the Lawrence house. What if they were there for him? There was no way to tell. James quickly pulled his truck off on a side road and headed back to the highway. He had a long drive ahead of him. It was early morning, and the house was quiet. Max had been roused early by the sound of Sully's police cruiser starting in the driveway. After the sound of the vehicle receded, Max lay in bed for a while, in deep contemplation. A desperate loneliness settled onto him. He missed his mother. Tears built up around his eyes as he lay, staring at the ceiling. Thoughts of his father began to interject. As always, he felt a slight scratch of fear across his heart when he thought of James, but now it was followed by an enveloping sense of longing. Separated now by distance and time, Max thought there was no one he would rather see coming up the driveway. He had to get home. Presently, Max got up and dressed. He moved aimlessly downstairs trying to enjoy the quiet until everyone else was up. He traveled into the kitchen and started when he saw Jesse, the second oldest boy, sitting at the dining room table reading a book. Jesse looked up at Max 
and smiles slightly. Trying to make a break for it. Max shook his head and approached the other end of the table, hesitantly pulling out a chair to sit. No, I just couldn't sleep. Jesse's gaze returned to his book. Max sat in silence for a moment, building up his confidence. Jesse, do we ever go into town? Jesse looked up. What town? I don't know. The closest one. Jesse smiled and closed the book. There isn't a town close, not for quite a ways. To answer your question, we don't really go out into the towns. Uh, everything we need is here. Max sat in silence, contemplating the reality of what had just been said. Jesse studied him for a moment, and then spoke again. You wouldn't be thinking of trying to leave us, would you? The parents would not be happy to hear of that. Max set his jaw and made eye contact with the older boy. He spoke with a low, resolute tone, indicating a confidence that surprised himself. I will leave. And you can't stop me. Jesse laughed humorlessly, and then eyed Max. You know, the forest outside is not a safe place. He leaned forward and folded his hands together. Let me tell you a story. We used to have an older brother. He was here a long time ago. His name was July. He and Georgia, and mom, I mean, fought all the time. He didn't like it here, and he hated the rest of us. I can only imagine why. Jesse turned and gazed out the window beside him. Then a day came when he left. Didn't come down to breakfast. We found him later that day, out in the woods, dead. He had been shredded to pieces. Just an awful sight. Something had been eating him. I don't know what, but... Jesse turned and faced Max again, his eyes narrowing. There is something out there. Be smart. Don't try to leave. A rhythmic thumping sound began from one of the upstairs bedrooms. It grew in volume, causing the two boys to glance upward. Max heard what he thought was silly gasp, and then swear. A sharp cracking sound made Max jump. The sound of a woman followed. Jesse smiled and shook his head, returning to his book. <laughs> you get used to it. Cooperstown was smaller than James remembered it. Now that he was there, he felt at a loss as to a course of action. He began exploring the rural neighborhoods around the city. Finally, after spending most of the day driving, he pulled down a random driveway. It led to a magnificent turn-of-the-century home. He cautiously approached the threshold and then rang the doorbell. An elderly man answered the door. He gave James a quizzical look. Uh, yes? Suddenly, James didn't know what to say. He felt like a fool, as if by pulling into a random house, he would find Max there to answer the door. 
James turned away without a word and returned to his vehicle. Back on the road again, he felt a growing sense of desperation. He wondered what his next move ought to be. A feeling of powerlessness overwhelmed him. He realized he would have to find someone else in the network. But who? His interaction with the Lorns was the first he had seen of the group in over a decade. He hadn't had any contact with them ever since he went to prison. Prison. The very thought brought up so many unpleasant memories. He remembered the vicious scene that had brought him there. The blood. The bodies. He still considered it to be a miracle that he had escaped a harsher sentence. Forensic evidence is of trifling utility when there are so many parties involved. It also helps when you are the only surviving witness. He shook his head and tried to move on from the memory. The people he knew from back then, he had never seen their homes. They could have been from across the country for all he knew. It was a strange time, and most of his memories were colored by a sordid haze of intoxication. Those years were characterized by wild, animalistic events and occultist intrigue. Even when he and Grace met and began to go steady, the craziness didn't stop. Father encouraged it, so long as he was the one presiding. When they had Max, nothing changed, even then. The child was left alone or with a friend the evenings when James and Grace went to the family nights. Most of the time when they returned, any babysitter they had procured was high as a kite upon the return. Really, it was prison that set him straight. Or rather, what he had done to get there. It felt as if it had woken him up from a long, black dream. Along the road, a hotel suddenly came into view. It looked run down and sparsely occupied. He checked his watch. It was midnight. Fatigue had been blurring his vision for the last hour, and he realized he couldn't go on for much more. He needed rest. Inside the hotel, the front desk was manned by a bored-looking teenage girl. As she dug for the room key, the small wall-mounted television caught his eye. There was a newscast playing, with the image of Sarah Lorne featured prominently. The anchor was discussing the details of a horrifying crime. A man had broken into this poor woman's house and attacked her and her husband. The husband had been killed and mutilated, but she managed to survive. She was now being treated for her injuries in Loyola Medical Center, the only hospital within two states that had the requisite specialists. A smile crept across James' face. Episode 7. This is Seat of the All Father. Join us next time for Episode 8. <laughs>